Okay, good morning. Today's daf is daf Chov Zayin. Today's shir is Le'ilu Nishmas Etor Eichel Basarab Yisrael Meir and Etor Basarab Yisrael Meir and Etor Eichel Basdov Be'er Yekusiel. May the Neshamas have an Aliyah and may their memory be a blessing. And it's also for Rufur Shleimo of um, Rivka Bas Malka. Malka, Malka Bas Rivka. May, may she have a complete and speedy recovery. And Chaya Masharivka Baselda, may she also have a complete and speedy recovery. And as Yom Azikaron will also give the shir in uh, memory and of course of uh, all the fallen soldiers and those who have uh, been murdered in uh, terrorist attacks. The. Uh, okay, so we're going to go from the last line of Chav Vav Amud Beis. 26b. Um, it's a little bit off topic, but to do with, uh, I mean, it's it's to do with the general theme, um, but I'm not sure 100% why it is exactly yes. It's Omar Shmuel. Yisa Adam Daime Va'al Yisa Bas Daime. Shmuel says that a person should rather marry a Daime than marry the daughter of a Daime. What's a Daime? So Rashi, a doime is a woman with a bad, uh, bad reputation. Everyone, no, there's not no witnesses or anything to uh, what's infidelity, but it's, it's 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 spoken about. Everyone, Rashi says doime has the connotations and the of, and the words that people are always speaking about. So that's the sort of a woman who, again, there's lots of lots of rumors, lots of chatting around the community and town about her. Infidelity about and and that's a reputation. That, so Shmuel saying, look, obviously Nada should be your first, your go-to point to marry, but as a last resort, all things being equal, who should you marry? The dome, the woman with the bad reputation, or her daughter? That's how uh, that's how Rashi explains the question, and that is uh, how we will explain it. But just interesting to note, um, the Rambam, amongst others. Say the discussion is can a, if a kohen is also to one of them and mutar to one of them, which one is he mutar to? And I'll explain the difference between a kohen and a Yisrael now, but just uh, interesting. So Rashi's learning the question is who should any Jew, last two women in town, who should you marry? The, a doime, a woman with a bad reputation, or a bas doime, the daughter of a bad reputation. And uh, Rashi's and uh, the Rambam learns, no, the question is, are either, or which one is permitted to a kohen? Now, why should it make it a... But for both of them, we need to understand the concept of uh, zona. Zona we generally translate as a prostitute, but that's not in the Chumash. It's a more, a te- at least in certain contexts, in the context of marriage, it's a technical term for a woman who slept with someone that's forbidden to her. So, for example, she committed um, adultery. I mean, she's worse than just a zoner. She's committed adultery, but she would be a zoner. Is she, so a married woman who sleeps, sleeps with a man besides her husband, a woman who sleeps with a close relative, one of the arayos, a woman who sleeps with a non-Jew, any of those would make her into a zoner. A Yisrael is allowed to marry a Zoyna, and uh, but a Kohen is not allowed to marry a Zoyna. So if, let's say, it's well known that this woman had uh, 
um, let's just to make it as most uh, palatable as possible, was raped by someone that's forbidden to her, raped by an un- uh, ra- raped by a nephew, raped by a nonju, etc. She becomes a zona. That's her status. What's the status of the child? The bastome. So that, that's the. Um, So the bus, um, the bus doime, at worst case scenario, is a mamzer, married woman having relations with another man. Um, also, could be she comes from tainted lineage. Her father could be a non-Jew, an eved. So that's the bus doime, and that's why Shmuel comes along. I mean, we'll see it inside now. Says, and Shmuel says a man should rather marry a doime than a bus doime. Why? Because the daime, worst case scenario, is she's a zona. But again, it's only allegations. It's only rumors. There's nothing confirmed. So that's worst case scenario. Whereas the daughter could actually be a psul. So, so, so that's the... Uh, that's why Shmuel says, and that's what he says. We can assume the, the daime herself is of good lineage. And the... The daughter is, could be from a tipapsula, from a bad, tainted lineage. So that's Shmuel's opinion. Rabbi Yochanan Omer and Rabbi Yochanan says, Yisa Adam Bas Doimeh, Val Yisa Adam Doimeh. A person should rather marry the Bas Doimeh and not the Doimeh herself. Now why? He's going to explain. This one has a reliable uh, status and this one does not have a reliable status. How can you marry someone who there are all these rumors about that she commits infidelity? She's going to, what, you think when she marries you she's all of a sudden going to be upright? No, she's probably going to commit infidelity and there's a good chance you won't realize and if a woman's committed adultery she's also to her husband. So that's the one... Uh, um, that's why I don't marry Doma. Rather marry her daughter, who's a good, uh, good Jewish woman. Okay, we're not speaking necessarily about the mother and the daughter. We're speaking about a woman who is a Doma and a woman who is a bas Doma, the daughter of a woman of a bad reputation. Remember, that's a, they don't have to be related at all. It's just two different people. We just um, so, so so that's what Rabbi Yochanan says. The woman with a bad reputation is not a good uh, woman to be married to, whereas the daughter of a woman with a bad reputation is not a. What, she's a good Jewish girl just because her mother was uh, was uh, promiscuous doesn't mean she is. Um, and that's uh, that's Rabbi Yochanan. And then the obvious question, Rabbi Yochanan, but what, what isn't he concerned about the psul of the daughter? Isn't the daughter likely to be possible, like Shmuel was concerned, and therefore rather marry the mother who is not possible, then marry the daughter who is likely to be possible. So there's a concept of rov be'ilos achar habal. You assume that even a promiscuous woman is most, her children are most likely conceived from her husband. Because most of the times, even if she's having an affair, committing adultery, most of the times her beer, etc. would be from her husband. And therefore um, and therefore that's what we assume that any children are probably from her husband. And if you want to say she's a single woman or something, it's definitely it's not from her husband. Well, most men are probably actually kosher to her. Most of the men she would associate with. Again, I'm, I wasn't sure on that one. This one's a bit weak to me. 
are people at which she would be permitted to, or that wouldn't affect the lineage of a daughter. It's a discussion in uh, Yevamos, if a person marries, a, let's, say, let's say you know, this daughter is from a non-Jew, a Jewish woman and a non-Jew. So if I remember correctly, we Paskin that that daughter can marry a Kohen. So most women that this, most men that this woman would have been promiscuous, again, a single woman is, uh, we know she's promiscuous, or there are lots of rumors about her promiscuity. I guess if she's single and she has a child, then it's almost confirmed that she's promiscuous. Um, but w- what's the status of her children? So that, um, um, that most of the men she would be with, the child would be fine. Whether it's an Akum or an Eved, non-Jews, the child would be fine. If it's a kosher Jew, even though she shouldn't, it's also fine. It's only the Arayos that would actually, the child would be a Mamzer, or an Asim, or a Mitzvah, etc. Only one of those, that the child would have taken lineage. So you can rely on the Rav to assume that the daughter's fine. The mother's fine, as we explained. And therefore the question is, which one should you rather marry? And Rabbi Yonan says, you're getting into trouble marrying a woman with a, who there are always these rumors about her um, reputation. They challenge us. The Bryce says a man should marry a doime. I, that's against Rabbi Yochan, and he says he should marry the Bas Doime. So, so you think that Bryce is logical, uh, that it's telling us he should marry a doime. This, as I pointed out at the beginning, these are not the ideal people you should be dating, a doime or a Bas Doime. So it must be telling us. Um, so, so it must be Ella Imnos. So it must be seeing about if he's marrying. Uh, he can remain married to a doime. Oh, well, once you're telling me that you have to change the price and edit it, Tananami Bas Doime. Edit it to also say, or a Bas Doime. So that price, it's too unreliable, that price, to bring any proofs from. The Hilchosa and the Halokha is Yisa Adam Bas Doime of Al Yisa Doime. The halacha is that a person should rather marry a bas doime than the doime herself. The Tony Rab Tachlifa Bar Merova, Kamid Rabbi Avuaz, Rabbi Tachlifa from Eretz Yisrael said before Rabbi Avuaz, Isha Mazane Boneo Kesherim, if a woman commits adultery, you can assume her children are kosher. Rav Be'ilos Achar Habal, because you can assume, as we pointed out, that uh, she most likely, most of her beer is with her husband, and therefore you can assume that the children are kosher children. Um, again, interesting. Uh, the, and then, so what's the danger? That, that's why the bas doime is better. What's the danger of marrying the doime? As we explained, if a woman commits adultery, she becomes also to her husband. And this woman has uh, has a history, so we can't trust her. Okay, boy, Rav Amram, Amram asks, What happens if she's exceptionally promiscuous? Uh, she's not just a, a, a regular woman who's strayed. We just got rumors about her. This woman's known to be very disloyal to her husband. So what's the halacha there? Can you still say she's the children are most likely from her husband? And if it's a woman who's strayed once, you know, like there's rumors about her straying, but nothing major, then you can assume most of the time she's been the most. The, she's mostly with her husband than any other man. But a woman who's extra promiscuous, you don't have that assumption anymore. If you, according to the opinion that a woman conceives just before her cycle starts, then obviously, that's, we're not asking because obviously the husband doesn't know, we don't know when it's going to start, so there's no way to make sure that she conceives from her husband. There's no way for her husband to 
Rashi according to the opinion that a woman only conceives from the beers close to her mikvanat. My, what's the halacha? Kivain the yodaba. Since he knows when she's, he, the husband most likely knows when she's going to go to mikvah, and therefore nature mintar law, he's going to be extra careful to make sure that she doesn't act promiscuously around that time, so that the children are his. Or maybe she's well known as extra promiscuous, as extremely promiscuous, therefore she's able to pull the wool over his eyes, and he, he doesn't have, he clearly doesn't have control in this situation, and we still have to suspect her, so take her, we leave it unresolved. So again, so granted, we paskin that a regular woman who's um, been uh, disloyal to her husband, you can still assume that her children are from her husband. If she's an extra, extremely promiscuous woman, then uh, we actually left it unresolved. We're not sure if she can treat those children as mamzerim or as valid. Okay, then we go back to the Mishnah, which said, there was a list of women that Beisdin warned. And we said, obviously, Beisdin, if she transgresses and goes into secret, so, so Beisdin say, we, don't, we can see your behavior, we don't want you to go into seclusion with Ruvain, we're warning you not to, I kind of like the husband would. But remember, we are discussing a deaf, mute, uh, insane person, her husband in jail, I, he wouldn't know and he wouldn't be able to warn her, so Beisdin warned her. We said, Beisdin can't make her drink. Um, that's what Toner Abonin, Ish. The Pasuk says, Ish. Matamud Lomar, Ish, Ish. Why does it, it could have just said Ish. Why does it have to say Ish, Ish? The Pasuk says, Speak to Ben Israel and say to them, Ish, Ish, ki tishte ishto, any man whose wife strays. Why does it have to use the double Loshon Ish? So, Lerabois, Eishes Cheresh, Eishes Shoitev, Eishes Shimum, to include the wife of a deaf mute, an insane person, a severely. Uh, Mentally impaired person, whose husband's gone overseas, or a husband who's in prison, any of these men who wouldn't know, wouldn't be able to warn their wife. Based in warn them to invalidate them from collecting their super. Remember, if they get a warning that your behavior is unacceptable, then, and then she's divorced, getting divorced from her husband, what she does, the, she doesn't get paid. So that's the advantage of Beisden giving them a woman. Maybe you'll say Beisden can even force this woman to drink. The man will bring his wife. The only one who's to the Beisamikdash and make her drink. The only person who's able to trigger her to drink the water to determine whether she's innocent or guilty is her husband. There's even a scenario where the Beisden's warning could make her drink. What's that? When the husband gets out of prison, he can take her up to Yerushalayim and make her drink. I mean, any of the case that he becomes sane or is able to act normally again, but the easiest one is prison, so he's in prison. Basically, she see the wife acting, you know, getting a bit too flirtatious with certain men. They warn her, don't. When the husband gets and she goes into seclusion, I'm not sure if the husband has to be out of jail when she goes into seclusion, but either way, when the husband gets out of jail, he can take her up to the Beis and make her drink. But my komifliki, what are they arguing in? Why do the Rabbonans say, if Beisdin issue the warning, the husband can't use that to make her drink? Whereas Rabbi Yossi says, if based, even if it's Beisdin issue the warning, the husband can make her drink. So Rabbonans say, no, the Torah, um, part of the process is that she is warned and bring her, and bring, and he connects it. 
just as her husband is the one who has to bring her, he's also the one who has to warn her in order to bring her. Rabbi Yossi says, we don't make that drosha. It's two de- different requirements. The one requirement is that she's warned, and again, built on that, but a separate requirement is the husband is the husband's the one who takes her to the base of Mikdash. Okay, so he doesn't connect the two. I forgot on the sugya above, I just wanted to mention, there's a very interesting children in Ramosha, um, and I think it ties, obviously, like we mentioned, it's not the ideal marriage to marry either a doime or a bastome, not first, uh, not first, uh, the first person you should be looking at, but there's a question that was asked to Ramosha, there's all these um, Gemaras and Midrashim of a child of a nida that they won't have such good qualities. And therefore you should also try avoid marrying a child who was conceived when the mother was a nida. So someone wrote to Rav Moshe that they're going on a date with this wonderful man. He seems to, I don't remember if it was the man or the girl, but either way, he's going on a date with this wonderful man. He's a budding town with Chochom. He's got good midos. All the other way around, he's going on a date with this girl. Um, wonderful midos, refined, tsunua, etc. And, uh, but we know that their parents weren't religious and probably, if not, maybe they even know, didn't keep the laws of Taras HaMishbacha. So that there's a very, very good chance that the person they're dating is a Vasnida. Rav Moshe answers, I mean, it's a worthwhile tuba to look at, but he answers very interestingly. He says, well, if they're a wonderful person, you can assume, basically, that they're not a Vasnida and you don't have to worry about it. But uh, I think that's important to keep in mind. I think, uh, as we said, the halacha is, and uh, the way we learned it, according to Rashi, makes a lot of sense, rather marry the Pastoime someone who has a good reputation themselves don't always obviously it makes a difference who their f- parents were and who their family is and what sort of marriage did their parents have because that's often how a child obviously take those factors into account but at the end of the day you're marrying the person herself because that was the concern uh, I mean that was the concern according to uh, Rabbi Yochanan is that look neither are, pro- probably neither of are invalid but the doime herself, we know she's uh, not trustworthy. Um, but the daughter, even though she's born from a mother who has a bad reputation, um, she has a cheskas kashros. She could be a very good person. Oh yeah, so that I just wanted to mention on the previous sugya, I forgot to. Okay, back to where we were in the Gemara. It's about the seventh last line of Chov Zayin Amor Aleph. Toner Abonin. Asher Isha. When the woman strays, um, um, from under her husband. Now he says, La hakish ishle isha. By the fact that the Apostle mentions, but it could just say the woman strays. Who else is she straying from? Obviously her husband. So why does it mention both her or her husband? So he says, La hakish ishle isha ve isha le ish, to connect the man to the woman and the woman to the man. La mahil, so what's the halachic relevance of saying that they connected? So Alma, we're going to see three answers. Omar of Shay, and I don't think they're mutually exclusive, but you can uh, analyze it. Omar of Shay says, Keshem she im hu suma lohoyo mashke, just as if the husband is blind, he can't make her drink, to see as the Apostle says, Vinne'elama ene isha, and she was, it was hidden from the eyes of her husband. Uh, he has to have eyes, he has to have been able to see that she's hidden from him. So if he's blind, he can't make her drink. 
So too, if the woman is blind, she also wouldn't drink. Again, Zairus Akosov, that if a woman is blind and she's warned not to go into seclusion with a certain man and she does, etc., the husband can't make her drink. Rav Ashi, Omar Rav Ashi says, Just as a lame woman or a Chigeris is a problem with her legs and Gidemis is like an amputee on her arms. Lo hoisa you can't make her drink. To see that the Pasuk says, the, the Kohen will stand the woman before Hashem. She has to be able to stand normally. Vinosan al kapeho and place the offering into her hands. Again, she has to be able So to by him, if he's a chiger or gidem, he can't make his wife drink. Again, there's this connection between the man and the woman, and we say that's what it's going to. Baravashi, Baravashi says slightly different. Rashi says ilemes no, okay, it's the same. just as a deaf mute woman can't be made to drink. The siv, as the pasuk says, isha omen omen. The woman says, Omein. Kahu imhoyo ilaim lohoyo mashke. So too, the, by a man, if he's an ilaim, he can't make his wife drink. And really, part of the process is the Kohen says, Take your shvua, that, dot, dot, dot. And she has to say, Omein. She has to uh, accept the shvua. And if she can't, well, then she can't be made to drink. So that's why a woman who can't, and that's what the Gomorrah says, a woman who can't speak, can't drink. This is one of the sources that triggers a very interesting discussion. Can you write down your shvua? It seems we would have thought that the woman can, instead of writing, instead of saying, Omein, Omein, why doesn't she just write, uh, I accept upon myself the shvua, or Omein, Omein to the shvua, or write, I swear that, I take a shvua that I did not commit adultery, etc., why and I accept upon myself the curse? Why does could she? It seems she could write it, except the Torah says vaomroth. I mean, there's also interesting discussion. I know it's uh, Rabbi Kiva Egos asked, can you write the counting of the surahs or or do you actually have to say it? So it seems it could be quite a broad question. I guess you have to look at the requirement of the different mitzvahs. Can you where you have to say something? Can you fulfill it with writing? I mean, I've never heard of someone, instead of saying Baruch on a glass of water, Shehakol, writing down Shehakol. But it is something here, they, here on this point specifically, they discuss taking a, writing a Shua instead of taking a Shua. Hadron Aloch, Arusa, Hadron Aloch, Arusa, Hadron Aloch, Arusa. Okay, fifth perech of... Um, Fifth Perek of uh, Soita. We'll try to do the whole Mishnah. The, the Mishnah today goes all the way to the bottom of the page. But it's really a few different points. So, just as the water examines her, the woman, it will determine whether she's guilty or innocent and punish her. So, too, it, it examines the boil. The adulterer will also die from her drinking the water. Shenema, as the Apostle says, Uva'u, uva'u. Gomorrah will discuss exactly what the drasha is. But, Keshem she asure lebal, kach asure leboel. Just as she is also to the husband, she becomes also to the boel, 
Shinema. Oh, that's the new. Sorry, as the pasuk says, Ubao Ubao. That's the pasuk we'll discuss. But that's the source that the water checks both of them. Now a second halacha. Kashem shasura lebal kachasura lebal. Just as she becomes forbidden to her husband, she's forbidden to the suspected adulterer. Again, remember we know that if a woman does commit adultery, she becomes forbidden to her husband, and she becomes forbidden to the adulterer. Remember, the site is only a suspected adulteress. But still, the halach is, she becomes, not only does she become also to her husband, as we've seen a few times, she also becomes also to the adulterer, the suspected adulterer. Shanemar, as the Pasuk says, nitma'a v'nitma'a. It could have just said nitma'a, but it actually has an extra vov to include someone else, and that is the husband, Divrei Rebbe Yehavi, that's Divrei Rebbe Akiva, that's Rebbe Akiva's opinion. Omer Rebbe Yeshua, Rebbe Yeshua says, Kachal Yodorish Zechariah ben Akatsav. That's the same, he says, oh, that's how... Zachary ibn Akatsav used to expound it. However, Rabbi Omer, Rabbi says, Shnei pa'omim amorim b'parsha nitma'ah v'nitma'ah, echod l'baal v'echod l'baal. No, it says nitma'ah multiple times in the parsha, one referring to the soita herself and one referring to the boil, the adulterer, or the suspected adulterer. So again, so we have a machloikas, Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi. Rabbi Akiva says there's an extra vav, and Rabbi says, no, it's because it says v'nitma'ah twice. Um, now, the Gemara, the Mishnah is going to be on a totally different point. But it starts with, On that day, Rabbi Akiva expounded. And I'll tell you why it's here shortly, but what's on that day? Important to note, what does it mean whenever we see in Tanakh on that day? And there's a whole Masechta Edios, which is, we say is on that day. So remember in Masechta Brachos, there was a bit of a there was a fight between Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua. He treated Rabbi Yeshua for, I mean, for various reasons. He felt he was justified. You can, we don't have time to go into all the details now. But he treated Rabbi Yeshua with disrespect. And they ended up three, a few times. So they ended up deposing Rabbi Gamliel from Nasi. And that's when they brought in Rabbi Leza ben Azari. And that's Rabbi Leza ben Azari says, Haray, Ani, Keven, Shivim, etc. I was like, I was 70. That's when he was appointed for, as a youngster to be the head of the Sanhedrin. Then Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua reconciled themselves and uh, they ended up uh, making Rabbi Gamliel back as the Nasi and Rabbi Lazar ben Azaria the alternative Nasi. They used to lead on, uh, I don't remember if it was alternative weeks or two weeks, one week, I don't remember exactly, but they used to alternate the position of Nasi, Rabbi Gamliel. But, Uvovayom, on that day, when Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azariah became the head of the Sanhedrin, he opened up the admission policy. Ramon Gamliel had a very, very strict admission policy into the base medrash. You had to have toicha kapoira, your external had to reflect your internal. Again, how he measured that, interesting discussion, but he wanted very sincere people, and only if you're very sincere were you allowed into the base medrash. So it was a hard, uh, wasn't easy to get into Rabbi Gamliel's base medrash. When Rabbi Elizabeth ben Azariah opened the, became head, he said, whoever wants to come and learn can come and learn, and the Gomorrah there brings in, they had to add in hundreds of base medrash, because so many people wanted to come and learn, and they came to learn, and because of the huge number gathered, and the excitement to learn, they managed to resolve and discuss many, many halachas on that day. And whenever it says, Uvovayom, it's referring to that day. So the starting point here is that that we're going to bring a list of teachings of Rabbi Akiva Vovayom on that day. And therefore they want to suggest that so to the first one, the Joshua we brought from Rabbi Akiva of just as the woman is also to her husband, the suspected Saita, she's also also... (coughs) 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 (coughs)
Nitu. Just as she's also to the Baal, she's also to the Baal. That drosha of Rabbi Akiva was also Bobayom. And now we're going to bring other droshas that Rabbi Akiva said Bobayom on that day. That's how they want to tie the teachings together. Because this new drosha is to do with Tum and Tahara totally, well, just about completely off topic from Sota, except that the Sota, we learn out halachas from the Sota to Tum and Tahara because it uses the word Vinitma'a by the Sota, but it's a halacha that's not relevant. And the halacha goes as follows. If uh, the general principle, and this Rabbi Akiva is going to argue on, is that if you have a Kli that is a Rishon, it can make Chulin food a Shani. So Le'avak Tumah. A dead sheretz, etc., can make a kli, an autumn or a kli, but let's, we're discussing a kli, can make a kli, tome. That kli is a rishon. The kli can make regular food, and obviously sanctified, special food, sanctified food, tome, as a shani. Only truma can become a shlishi. I, if let's say you have a food that is a shani, and it touches other regular food, it doesn't transfer tuma. If, however, it touches truma, it will make the truma shlishi. Similarly, that truma which is a shlishi, obviously can't make regular food lower than a shani, and it can't make truma lower than a shlishi, so that if that truma that is tome as a shlishi touches other truma, that truma doesn't become tome. But kodshim, sacrificial items, can become tome as ravii. That's the general halacha. Rabbi Akiva is going to argue, he's going to want to show that regular food can become a shlishi. That's what this uh, part of the mission is about. So Baba Yom Dorash Rabbi Akiva on that day, Rabbi Akiva expounded, If you have an earthenware kli, that any sheretz, dead sheretz, falls into whatever is in the kli, becomes tome. So let's say you have a bowl of, I don't know, some, some food, Bread. You have an oven with bread baking in it, and a sheretz falls into the oven. So the sheretz is the dead sheretz is an av. It makes the oven a rishon, which makes the bread in it a shani. The oven then transfers it to the bread, which has become the shani. So he says, "Eino omer tome elo yitma." The pasuk doesn't say it becomes tome. It says. It's written as Yitome, it shall make other things Tome. Le Tome Achairim, to make other things Tome. Limit al Kikar Shaini Shemetame Sashlishi, to teach us that a loaf, which is second level Tuma, can make another regular Fulin loaf, third level Tuma. Omer Rabbi Yeshua, Mi Yigale Ofor Meinecho Ramon Yochanan Ben Zakai. Rabbi Yeshua says, Oh, who will remove the dust from your eyes, Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakai? Who will bring you back to life? You're covered with earth. Who will bring you back to life that you can see? Shahoyisa Omer, you were very concerned and you said, Oti Dor Acher Latayer Kikashlishi Shain Loi Mikra Minatoyre Shuhutome. He was concerned that in the future people are going to say, If you have a Truma loaf that's a Shlishi, it's really Tahor. Because in the Psukim we don't see, he learned it out from a Kam but you don't see in the Psukim any concept of Shlishi. And Rabbi Akiva takes it as he actually brings from the from the Torah that it itself is Tome, that regular. I mean, Rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan and Zaka was concerned about a Truma loaf not even being considered Tome in a Shlishi, and Rabbi Akiva made even a Chulin loaf Tome in a Shlishi, from the Potsuk of Tome. Very interestingly, though, what's uh, Okay, what's fascinating on a drosha? What's fascinating in Maman from a drosha from a drosha perspective, we see that we generally take what the earlier generations say very seriously, 
and with huge weight. But we see when it comes to a drosha and expounding the psukim, you can have one generation that says, oh, I know two or three generations that make this drosha, but it doesn't make sense. And they can change the halacha. They can change how you make that drosha. Here we have Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai who made a drosha that it was that truma can become a shlishi. And he was concerned that a later generation will make a different drosha or not accept his drosha and treat it as tahor. And we see what actually did happen, or at least from Rabbi Akiva's perspective. He says, oh, I know, I know Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai made the drosha that it's, uh, only chulin can be a shlishi. Only, sorry, only chuma can be a shlishi. But from how I learned the psukim, even. So we see that regarding expounding the Torah, new generations can expound it. There's another halacha to do with the, the, the korbanos. I don't remember it, but I remember it came out quite clear that in the first base Amigdash, they made one drosha and practiced one way. And in the second base Amigdash, they made a different drosha and practiced a different way. So it's not that they were forgetting traditions. It's that the halacha is that if it's how they learned the drosha, a new Sanhedrin or, or accepted uh, Rabbonim can make a different drosha and expound it differently. Um, then a new point. So this would be the next Mishnah. Um, and this is to do with Tchum Shabbos. We generally say on Shabbos you're not allowed to walk outside the city. How far? 2,000 Amos. Two mil. Yeah. 2,000 Amos. And is it two mil or four mil? I'm just trying to think. I know it's 2,000 Amos. I just don't remember the conversion between a um, uh, no, a meal is a kilometer, and two thousand. A meal, if I remember correctly, it's one meal. I don't know. Two thousand amos. You're not allowed to walk two thousand amos out of the city. We generally say that's only midrabbonon. Rabbi Akiva is going to darshan that it's actually daraisa. So where does he get that from? So we know there's a halacha that there were cities. The Levium didn't inherit land in Eretz but there were cities set aside for them. So Boba Yom Doresh Rabbi Akiva on that again that same day when Rabbi Gamliel was deposed and Rabbi Yoshua opened the base midrash for everyone to come and learn, Rabbi Akiva expounded. The measure from the edge going outside of the city to the east is Alfaim Amma, and it says he gets 2,000 Amma in each direction. And another possible, actually earlier possible, from the wall of the city outwards he gets 1,000 Amma. So you can't say that the cities of the Levim only get 1,000 1,000 Amas outside the city, because the Pasuk says 2,000 Amas, the other Pasuk. And you can't say that the Levim cities only get one, um, two, get 2,000 Amas outside, because the other Pasuk already says that they only get 1,000 Amas. So which one is it? Again, we have this contradictory Pasuk, one telling us that the Levim have 1,000 Amas of space outside their city, and the other pasuk seems to say 2,000 amos. So Elef Amma Migrash, so Rabbi Akiva explains, 1,000 amos as Migrash, open area around the city. It's very beneficial for the city for beauty and aesthetics and probably fresh air and stuff for the city to have 1,000 amos open. It says, Valfaim Amma, what's the pasuk telling us with Valfaim Amma? That's to teach us Tchum Shabbos. So Rabbi Akiva actually learns Tchum Shabbos from the contradiction of the psukim and learns that Tchum Shabbos is that you're not allowed to go 2,000 amos outside of your 
outside of your tchum is Do'araisa. Rabbi Eliezer ben Oishel, Rabbi Yosei Aklili, Omer Rabbi Eliezer ben Oishel, Rabbi Yosei Aklili, he says, Elef Amu Migrash, Ophayim Amu Sodas Ukromim. He says, no, it's two different spaces we're discussing. They get 1,000 Amos of open space, and then 2,000 Amos of fields and vineyards. Are they two different requirements and two different needs of a city? One is the open space around the city, and the next is space for planting, for farming and uh, growing and vines. Okay, so that's that Joshua. Now, another Joshua of Rabbi Akiva that was expounded on that day. And the question is, how did Bnei Israel say Oz Yashir? As we'll see, he says, um, Boy by Yom Dorash Rabbi Akiva, on that day Rabbi Akiva expounded, Oz Yashir Moshe Bnei Yisrael, Es Ashira Hazos Hashem, it says, on that day, Moshe and Bnei Israel sang this song to Hashem, and they said, Lamor saying. Lamor generally in the Chumash, we find like, Deber Hashem El Moshe Lamor. Hashem spoke to Moshe Lamor to say. I implicitly said Moshe must say it to Bnei Israel. If it's just Deber Hashem El Moshe, then who says Moshe, what Hashem tells Moshe is? Private. You're not just allowed to go repeat what someone tells you. So that's why it always says, When the pair Hashem and Moshe Hashem spoke to Moshe, Lemor, to say. And, he, and it was told to Moshe to go and tell B'nai Israel. I, Moshe, had permission. But here, so if you look at the Pasuk here, it's what Hashem's Moshe and B'nai Israel sang this song to Hashem, and they said to say. So what says, Ain Tamud Lomar Lomar? The Pasuk shouldn't have said to say, Ma Tamud Lomar Lomar. So why is it say, why does it have this word Lemor? Um, so it's Esa Shira Hazos Lemor. So Melame Shohoyu Yisrael Oinim Shira Acharov Shomoshe Al Kol Dova Dovor Dova Vadova Kokoirin Esa Halel. As to teach us that Bene Yisrael responded each line of the song to Moshe like when we read Halel. We don't do we don't do it for all of Halal, but like for example how we do honor Hashem Oshiano or Hodul Hashem Kitokilamkasto, we repeat the line after the well actually not how we do Hodul Hashem, but how we do honor Hashem Oshiano, we repeat it line by line. So he's saying that's what the extra Laymore is to tell us that's how Bene Yisrael the Kachnemar Laymore, that's why it says Laymor, Bene Yisrael said line by line after like Halal. Rebi Nahunya Aime Rebi Nahunya says um, um, no, they said it like we say Shmai, but not how, or how we read Shmai, but not how we read Halal. Rashi says the Gemara will explain what we mean by how you say Shmai and not how you say Halal. A little bit cryptic from the Mishnah, but I'm going to leave it for the Gemara. Boba, once it seems once we're discussing droshes from that day, we bring one final drosha again, which is not even connect, which not even said by Rabbi Akiva. But this one is going to discuss: Did Eov serve Hashem out of love or out of fear and awe? What was Eov's level or mode of serving Hashem? So boy, by Yom Dorash, Rabbi Yeshua ben Hurkanos. On that day, Rabbi Shua ben Hurkanus expounded, Law of an Eov as a Kodesh Bochu Elame Ava. Eov only served Hashem out of love. Shinemar, as the Pasuk says, Hain Yikteleini Lu Ayachel. If they would kill me, I would still long for him. I'm a whole desire, whatever happens to me, is to be close to Hashem. Lo Ayachel, I hope for him. However, this Pasuk is not clear. Is Lo Ani Metzape or Aini Metzape? When this word, again, granted it's written as law to him, but the pronunciation is law, 
it could be read as, I don't look to him. So, so it could, so this postdoc's not very clear. It could be that he wants to come close to Hashem, or it could be that he does not want to come close to Hashem. So Talmud Lomar, the Torah says, Ad egva lo osir tumasi mimeni. Until I die, I will not remove my tamimus, my wholeness, my wholesomeness, my perfection from me. I melamed shema'avo also. That teaches us that he loves Hashem. That he served Hashem out of love. Um, we're going to have to see how does this show that he says that I always had my tmimos with me, I will always have my tmimos with me until the day I die. How does that show that he loved Hashem? I think the Gemara is going to address it. Otherwise I'll have to look it up. But that is the, that's the drosha here, is that this passage, that tells us that he served Hashem out of love. Who will remove the ash from Rabbi Yochanan Mezakai? Who will bring... Um, the, the dust from Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka's eyes so that he can come and see these Roshes. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka used to expound that Eov served Hashem out of Yira. Shenemar, as the Pesach says, He was a perfect person who upright and he served and he feared God and he removed himself from evil. So we see from somehow again, I think, Yorei uh, Elohim, he feared God and not that he loved God. And therefore we have Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai founded that pasuk teaching us that he observed Hashem out of Yira. And now he says, if only he would have seen, your student's student learned was able to learn and expound that Eov served Hashem out of Ava. It seems almost they're trying to look and elevate the level of Eov service, if I understand. Because he says, if only you could have seen this drosha of your student's student. He was a student of Rabbi Akiva, who was actually a student of Rabbi Lazar, I think was a student of Rabbi Lazar Nazari, we have to check. But I think Rabbi Akiva was a generation away from uh, Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaka. Okay, but either way... Um, he says, if only you could have been around to see your student's student's drosha, who says, who proves that Eov Lambda served Hashem out of love. Okay, and we'll leave it and we'll continue with the Gemara on this parak tomorrow.